everybody, John here, and while Memphis Tigers football is, of course, one of my passions, happy to host Tigers tonight, I do have a second passion, and that is travel. I'm a full-service travel agent, and I love to help families make their next great memory through an unforgettable vacation. Maybe that's a Caribbean cruise. Maybe it's a cruise somewhere like Antarctica. Maybe it's a idea of a great vacation is just laying by a beach at an all-inclusive resort, or maybe you've been dreaming of that trip to Disney. I'm here to help you make those dreams come true, no matter what type of vacation you're looking for. Hey, for Tigers Tonight listeners, I've got a special deal. If you book a vacation with me anytime during the Memphis football season, I'll give you 25 bucks off your vacation just for mentioning you heard about me on Tigers Tonight. In addition, I'll waive my normal planning fee of 50 bucks. That's just for our listeners here on Tigers Tonight. So just shoot me an email over at john at travelbyjohn.net and we'll get the planning process started. Again, that's john at travelbyjohn.net. Welcome to Tigers Tonight, a podcast dedicated to University of Memphis Tiger football. Here's your host, John Maddox. Hello, everyone, and happiest of 901 days to Memphis and the Mid-South out there. John Maddox uh, on Tigers Tonight on the large program, joined as always by the best co-co-host in all the land. We will start with our friend up in New York, Brian Moss. Brian, how in the world are you on this beautiful 901 day? Doing pretty good. And hello, Tiger Nation. I know you like that as well. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> nice and rainy up here. We got the the hurricane, uh, whatever is left over of it. Uh, it's just uh, drenching us. So yeah, doing all right. Not too bad. All right. How about uh, Larry, who resides in the 662? I guess you can't really have a 662 day. So no, uh, it's kind of hard. I mean, and 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 I figured you'd be up in Nashville since I'm pretty sure you couldn't find Memphis with a map. Well, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, and 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 for the record, for the record, I was actually I was actually in Nashville yesterday, and um, and and. Uh, it, it it was wet, wet, rainy, and um, as as normally it is there, very stormy. So it's good to be back in the nine hundred one on nine hundred one on a beautiful day. So nothing like a nine hundred one day in Memphis. And for those who don't follow all this, I made the mistake of besmirching the greatness that is nine hundred one today day today on Twitter, and it just it blew up. So anyway, it's neither here nor there, fellas, because I have the best sentence in all the world. It is game week for the 2021 yes. college football season. Uh, after last year, this year will be more normal. I don't. I still don't think it's going to be completely normal, but I do feel like it will be more normal. Uh, before we get into this, I do want to uh, send our thoughts and prayers to the people of the great state of Louisiana. Uh, just so much devastation and destruction. And, uh, you know, I haven't heard any loss of life yet, thankfully, but I'm sure that will come in the coming days. But they were slammed by Hurricane Ida. And uh, why is it that the grandma names are always the one that that seems to do the most damage? And we got a uh, Hurricane Larry out in the out in the Atlantic. Uh, Hear me. A lot a loud of sound and fury signifying nothing out there. It's going to be a fish storm. But uh, Ida comes through and does a ton of damage, including to the campus of our opponent this week, uh, Nichols. No longer Nickel State. That that's been a little bit of an adjustment for me. They are just Nichols. Uh, they are the Colonels. They play in the Southland Conference, so they are actually on their way up here now. They started. Uh, I think they started last night, and they're making their way up here. So I'm assuming they're coming by bus. Uh, if it's a flight, it'd be here right away. Um, 
they played a little bit in the spring. So they played uh, Southeast Louisiana was their last game. They lost 52 to 45. Uh, Tim Rebo is their head coach. He's in their seventh season. This, of course, will be their first game this year. He's 38 and 30. So Memphis and Nichols Saturday, September 4th at 6 p.m. at Liberty Ball Memorial Stadium. It'll be on ESPN Plus as well as on the new home for Tiger Sports 98.9, the roar of Memphis. So, Brian, it's finally here. Football season is upon us. Uh, how does that make you feel? Oh, happy, finally. It's just some some normalcy, some, you know, just excited. Our football's already started. You know, it's a couple of games uh, that have already gone on, some going on right now. Uh, really rooting for Jacksonville State because I was stationed at Fort McClellan, which is right next door to them. So, nothing against UAB, just, uh, you know, memory lane going to parties at Jacksonville State, so go JSU. Is that game in Birmingham? No, it's in Montgomery. It's the Montgomery kickoff is what they're calling it. Uh, Jacksonville State, also the largest college marching band I've ever seen. They came to Memphis. We played them. Oh, it might as well have been last week. It was probably 12 years ago at this point. feels like last week, and I think they had over 400 in their marching band. It's an excellent band program, excellent music program. They are a 1AA team, and uh, them and UAB. OVC. Huh? OBC That's right. They are in the OBC. They're kind of kicking off the college football season week one. Of course, you had week zero last week. Um, not very many good games. It was a lot of blowouts. And um, I think the Scott Frost era at Nebraska is uh, going to crash and burn to a <laughs> to a to a halt. Probably I didn't have him as the first coach to be fired, but he might be kind of on that list. And then poor UConn, man. They are, they are rapidly becoming a why bother school. Not to get too deep into this, but I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they do what they do because they don't make any money. They got their brains beat in by Fresno State. They gained, they were outgained by 400 yards in that game. So, so we're hopeful for a similar performance by our Memphis Tigers on Saturday. Back to what really matters here as they kick off again against Nichols uh, at the Liberty Bowl. It will be uh, full capacity. There are no restrictions. You do have to wear a mask in indoor areas, but that's it. Tailgating is back. There are a lot of parking changes I do want to talk about. Uh, Toby Field was supposed to be a tailgating area, or Toby Park, rather. That's not going to be the case. This is all due to the new Liberty Park construction that's going on at the fairgrounds, all that development they're working on over there. So you basically are down now to... Uh, Shelby County Board of Education auxiliary lot and parking at the university and taking a shuttle or Toby Field is 15 bucks and then the only parking on campus will, or on the Liberty Bowl campus will be season parking. So Larry, I, I want to ask because I've had a lot of people ask me, this just really feels like it could be detrimental to the fan experience this year. I would I would think there's no way it can't be unless um, unless let, let's back up. I think for the hardcore fan, for the guy like me who's going to go and he's going to figure it out one way or another, um, then I, I don't think it's because, you know, I'm going to get there early. I'm going to park, uh, get my, you know, get my stuff together and you know, meet you and some other friends and we're, you know, we're going to, so for us, is it going to really affect? Probably not. 
Um, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. It's the casual fan. It's the fan who um, decides Saturday at noon that they want to go to the game. They want to, okay, you know what? I got, got the evening free, me and the wife. I've got a babysitter or the kids are going for the swim party. We got the night off. Let's go to a Tiger football game. That's the person yeah. that you're going to lose. And honestly, John, I think that's the difference. What, what made Tiger games great recently was that you could pull up, park behind the Pipkin building, walk out onto Tiger Lane, and 10 minutes from the time you, more or less, from the time you pulled in and parked, you're on Tiger Lane and you're sitting in somebody's tailgate. Now, you're going to have to plan that. It's going to have to be a planned experience. You're going to have to go and park at Toby Field or park at Coke, walk over. Both of them are going to be, I mean, you're going to need, I mean, you're going to need a guide. I mean, you might as well just, just hire a guide to get you if you don't know where you're going. Because, I mean, you're not, it, it's not going to happen. That's, to me, John, that's the trick. And I, I don't, of course, Memphis can't have anything that they, that's nice that they just, you know, make better. No, we got to make it worse. And I don't understand it because for years and years and years, it was really a night. Nice, it had something really nice going there. And um, it, it, you, you, you tweeted out today. You think this is just going to be a disaster. I don't know about a disaster this week, but I know come Southern heritage classic next week. Yeah. Next week is going to be, I'm no, not going then the next, anywhere near that damn place. Then the next week when we play Mississippi State, <laughs> it's not going to just be 29,000 for Mississippi State. I mean, we're going to have a good crowd. And if you make it difficult for the casual fan, because you're right, Larry, you know, there's 22,000 of us. Hell, we sat through monsoons. We've sat through East Carolina. We, we've sat through so much stuff that we're going to be there, right? I mean, yep. we're going to show up. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But the problem, because we'll plan it. But the problem comes, Brian, when you're trying to bring people into the program. That, that's where I have a problem with it. Because yes, there's 20,000 of us kind of hardcore, but we need to expand that. We need 25, 30,000, especially, and not to get on this rabbit hole, if we're serious about moving up in conferences, we, we've got to expand the fan base. And this just does not do it. Yeah, uh, I mean, because the casual, I mean, let's face it, the, the casual fan wants it easy, super easy. And if you don't make it super easy, I mean, they, it's easier for them to weigh, hey, I can sit on the couch and watch it on TV. I, I'm like two or three steps away from the fridge, <laughs> you know. So if, if you make it too difficult, I mean, they, you, the casual fan will just stay home. And, and, and they may or may not watch your game. People watch automatically the, goes, well, they'll just stay home and watch the game. Okay, they may not watch your game. I mean, they'll have Georgia and Clemson five or six time. games yeah. on to yeah. pick from, right? Yep. Especially next Friday – or, sorry, excuse me, Saturday night, this Saturday night. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, even – I'm a huge Tiger fan, and even on their away games, I might channel surf a little bit in commercials. You know? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, so, I, I, it is I, what I, it I, is. I just think you've got to make it easy for casuals because that's that's how you grow the fan base. You don't grow the fan base by waiting for me to have kids. Like that's not a you know way to have grow a fan base. It's by 
getting casual fans and converting them into Tiger fans. Um, and I just don't think this is a step in the right direction. And I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm in the minority here, guys, but I don't think it's going to get any better when this Liberty Park thing is done because you're going to have all that traffic on set. You know, you can't say, okay, well, nobody can use this on Tiger football Saturdays. They're gonna, there's going to be retail. There's going to be parking. Um, this well, is just... I, 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 here, here's what I will say. I'll say uh, is, uh, we don't know yet. So I, I'll give that an incomplete. The way it's been drawn, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> the way it's been drawn, okay? Yeah. Let's, let's hope that – I will say this. We've stumbled into some really, you know, decent things in the past, and I hope we stumble into something that works here. I, let, let, let's, let's say this. If you look at, at the, the, the structure of it, the bones of it look like it could work. But, I mean, it's got to be you know, thought out. Well, you've got to have logistical planning and, you know, I'll pick on them just because we were talking about them earlier. Like I'll never complain about Memphis football traffic ever again after going to Legion field a dozen times and trying to get out of that place with no traffic. It's impossible to get out. You didn't go to Montgomery last year, bud. No, no. uh, Oh boy. Because I like myself. Uh, (laughs) No, I did not go to Montgomery last year, but you know, I mean, I've been to some other places, uh, like you go to, to Knoxville, you're out in 30 minutes. Like it's not a big deal to get in out, but they know how to do it. They know how to handle it. They have all the, and then that starts the age old discussion. Well, if we had our own stadium, would it be? And I'm like, no, the traffic would not be any better at all. It would be much, it'd be a thousand times worse. But, um, I, I just, I, I want this to work, but I'm, I'm nervous. And I just think that, you know, there are people that still, included still haven't received our parking passes yet for saturday uh we're at wednesday um that's making people that are coming in from out of town nervous because they have to figure out how to get their park like how are they going to do that you're going to have people just showing up to park you're going to have it's 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 just not going to be good and it doesn't matter how many tweets you send out or or how many times you talk about it people you know brian to your point just want to pull up and show up and they're not going to be able to do that. So, but moving on to the actual game itself, because that's what really matters. So, Brian, we'll start with you, and I'm going to put you on the spot with the quarterback position, because that is, as Larry said, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Of uh, who's going to start? Mm, I, I still say it's it's going to be Gannell, unless he's. To, in my opinion, if Hennigan starts, that tells me that Gannell is injured more than what's being let on. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, do I think Hennigan will play? Yes. Uh, maybe even see some uh, Keelan Brown uh, in some, you know, certain packages. But, you know, my opinion, I, I think I think it's Canal. And if you, if you start Hennigan, and we've talked this off air before, if Hennigan's your starter for the entire year, I do not like my chances of my prediction of 10 and 2. Uh, I, I know he's an exciting prospect, but he's a prospect. He's he's not as seasoned as Gunnell. And and Larry, the other problem you have that we have discussed is um, if Hennigan gets on the field, does he ever get off the field? Yeah, that's so. Therein lies your 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 because we all saw in the spring, like John, I was sitting right next to you during the spring game. I mean, we both agreed it was Grant and, and Seth and and Seth probably looked 
more poised than Grant. Grant probably looked more uh, had had the NFL arm, um, and and I you know it was that's a provable facts. So I think you're right, John. I think if he ever gets out there, gets some experience under his belt, and starts making plays, and 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 you start tweaking the offense around what he's good at, like yeah, it's that's probably the end of it. You're probably looking at a four year starter, and um, I, it, I I look at and because we can talk about this again, I, I look at um, Grant being more like Paxton, and I'm not saying he's Paxton Lance. Don't get it. I'm just saying in stature and in in, in arm and in ability, um, he's like a little like Paxton in that sense. He's he can you know he's got the big arm and 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 he's tall and he can he can he can really push the ball down the field. Whereas I look at uh, at Seth more more like Brady, right? I mean he's he's a little bit smaller, um, a little more mobile maybe. Uh, than Grant and 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 he doesn't have that huge arm, but he he he's, he by all accounts is very accurate and and so it all is going to come down to decision making, guys. I think Grant runs out on the field for the first snap, I unless he's really hurt, and I think the reason is because it's simple facts. Grant Gunnell has taken a snap in college football before. Right. It's just that simple, and you don't want a, a kid who's. Um, unless you're Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, of course, <laughs> but I mean, you don't want, and, and for the record, Trevor Lawrence did not start his first game, by the way, he, he did not. Well, he no, played in they the had, second uh, game. Yeah. They had Kel, did they have Kelly Bryant when Trevor yes. started? Yeah. The kid who went to, to Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but he, so even he did not start his very first game. So um, my point is, you know, let Grant go out there, take the first series, take the first snaps, you know, and then I'm a hundred percent sure we'll see plenty of Seth Hennigan on Saturday. So, yeah, um, yeah. cause Brian, you, you've brought this up. You have four games with the new red shirt rules. So yeah. why not put them out there and see what you got? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's why I think he'll play. Um, and it's, it's, you know, that new rule. I like that rule because it's not the first four games. It's just four games. So, I, I mean, you play them out, put them out on this game maybe a little against Arkansas State, a little bit better competition to see how he does. And then, you know, obviously if, if Gannell's 100% healthy, you roll him out against Mississippi State. Maybe later on down the line, you know, you'll see Hennigan again. But, yeah, with this new rule, by all means, throw him out there, see what you got. And it's just not just a quarterback. It's going to be, um, you know, a lot of positions. So, but, yeah, for this position here, the quarterback, I think Gannell starts and – you will probably see Hennigan finish the game. And then we'll be talking about this next week. Who, who's going to start? <laughs> I, I think you're going to see all of the quarterbacks this week. I even think you'll probably see Peter Parrish for a series or two because he can, while he has struggled a little bit with his decision-making, he is a game changer of an athlete. Like he can change the dynamic dynamic of a game from the, from the quarterback or the slot I think if he stays here, he's eventually going to move to slot, and he'll he'll be great because he's such a good athlete. So moving on down the depth chart here, uh, Memphis lists a running back and a tailback, and I think the tailback is more like the slot guy, like I was just talking about. Um, and right now, Cam Fleming is listed on the two deep ahead of Asa Martin. Larry, that that one surprised me a little bit. I think I think the word is shocked um, to me because a um, Aza was starting in the spring and B Aza looked really, really good in the Montgomery bowl. 
I mean, if you if, if there was somebody who came out of the the bowl game last year with 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 any um, momentum, it would be Asa Martin. I mean, he finished the year strong. He actually played really well against Tulane and against I think it was Houston. He actually played well in those two games as well. And so if you could, if you were going to look at somebody with some momentum, it would be Asa Martin. And to you know to not be listed number one, it was shocking to me. I really, really felt like he would start the year in that position. I, I Brian, I don't, I don't know if that's what you felt. No, because uh, to me, that spot is held by – the way I look at it is the, the tailback they use more of like a third down back. Um, and Kylan Watkins was always that that back you throw out there because, you know, he has the hands. Uh, so to me, Asa Martin was more of a, a running back. But it's it was surprising not to see – Kylan Watkins listed and I just dug some digging around asking some folks and you know he's injured that's the reason why he's not on the 2D chart I don't know what that injury is I don't know how long he's going to be out for but that's the reason why Watkins was not listed but Brandon Thomas um, I mean that spot yeah uh, I mean we've heard it all uh, all uh, fall camp Watch out for Brandon Thomas. Who, who's the back that's surprising you the most? Brandon Thomas, Brandon Thomas. So, you know, I don't know why I was surprised Brandon Thomas came out, you know, as the number one back when the coaches have been telling us all fall camp that, hey, he's he's surprising folks. And, uh, you know, Coach Johns talks about he, he's, he has that speed and power. Um, so, yeah, we're, we'll see it. But it, there's, it's loaded at running back. I mean, Markavius Weaver. I mean, when you have uh, Dreek Clark yeah. third, yeah. I mean, it just it's hard for me to think that all these running backs are going to stick around. We'll see. You know, for Memphis' sake, hopefully they do. We'll see how they use everybody. But uh, that running back room is, is quite crowded. Well, see, the thing you can do with Memphis is you can have Weaver, Cam Fleming, Calvin, and Gabe on the field at the same time. You don't – if you, you know, if you want to go five wide, you can have Javon too. Like you can, you can move the pieces around because the thing is Brandon Markavius and Dreek are all three different guys. Like they're three different styles of run. So, um, but Cam Fleming's a little surprised to me, but the staff's very high on him. They, they, they love his, his effort. He's a small dude. Like he, he's five, seven, 172. Um, that would make him the smallest skill player, uh, both in height and weight. But as I had a coach tell me one time, I ain't got to be big if you can't catch me. <laughs> you know, you, you just – Dave Maggett made a career out of that. You know, and these smaller guys, the small lower center of gravity, and he played in Texas. So, you know, if you're good enough to be a D1 athlete coming out of Texas, then, then you'll be fine. But I was a little surprised by that. Um, wide receiver position, of course, you've got Calvin Austin the third. Uh, Look, did the Gabe Rogers take in that second spot? Although I don't know, is that really two or is that three? Did the Gabe Rogers thing surprise either of you? Not necessarily. Um, this is one where, you know, I did listen to the coaches because they talked highly about uh, Rogers. You know, he was, I think when he first got here, was a, he was a, a DB, then he moved him to running back, uh, but then they switched into wide receiver. I mean, that tells me that, you know, they need something at wide receiver. They're not getting it with what they had. So you had to move someone there and Gabe Rogers. I mean, you know, you get him in space. I mean, look out. I mean, he has a lot of moves. He can make you miss. 
So, I mean, it wasn't surprising um, as much as Brandon Thomas was to me. I don't know why I listened to them on Gabe Rogers, but didn't <laughs> listen to him on Brandon Thomas. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I listened to the coaches on this one. And so that one wasn't as shocking to me. Yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, my, my concern when you start a guy like Gabe Rogers at wide receiver is, is that going to take away from where I think he helps Memphis the most, which is the kick return game? Because, you know, last year against or was it last year, two years ago against Navy, he had the 99-yard the kick return for a touchdown. And that's where I think he really helps. But to your point, Brian, if other guys aren't stepping up, you know, and, and people look at this too deep and go, well, why can't Kai Matthew start at that second position? Well, that, you know, Kai is a different receiver too. He's six foot, 165. Calvin Austin's 5'9, 162 after a trip to the buffet. Uh, you know, Gabe Rogers is six foot tall. Javon Ivory's 6'2. I haven't even talked about him yet. So all these guys bring different skills. So when you bring Calvin out of the game, you really need to put a guy like Calvin in that spot. Like, because you're, you're, it doesn't change what you need. So that's why you can't just, but the guys are going to move around so much. What we talked about earlier, Larry, that it's not going to matter. The ball is going to be there because there's, there's plenty of playmakers and plenty of different options to distribute the ball. I'm not as worried about the, the skilled personnel of this, this team. I mean, I just think there's so many, um, as, as you put it, playmakers. I mean, not just, I mean, we got guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. We've got guys that can take the top off the defense. Um, we've seen Javon Ivory. He's a good possession type receiver. And what I mean by that is a guy who, when the play breaks down and your quarterback has to break the pocket, he can find Javon Ivory. Um, a good example of this, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure it was Javon Ivory in the Montgomery Bowl where White broke the pocket and then found Javon Ivory for like a 25-yard gain on third down. Um, those are the types of plays that you got to have all three types of receivers. And, and so you got to have a possession guy, you got to have a speed guy, and you have to have a guy who, who, who runs a route, good routes for you. So if you have all those guys, which we have, I'm not worried about the – I'm really not worried about playmaking. You have Sean Dykes, who is, who is a really nice – yeah, I haven't talked about um, yeah, safety, him yet safety net, um, which I know you're going to talk about him. So I'm just saying, like, as far as that goes, I, so was I surprised to see um, Rodgers take the role? Yes, I was, because I just felt like um, somebody else would step up. And and I guess they did, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a weird way. I, I don't know that it, it, it affects his ability to um, be a returner unless the coaches are worried about him getting hurt and don't want to put him back out there. But Oh, he's li he's listed as kickoff uh, kickoff return, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, I, yeah. I can't imagine. He and Julian Barnett are listed as your kickoff returners, and you know the the problem that you run into is guys getting tired. But then here here's the flip side of that: if the defense does what they're supposed to do this year, Gabriel ain't gonna have any chances to return kicks because they ain't gonna be kicking off. I mean, you know, you're gonna have a lot of punts and Calvin Austin returning punts this year if they do what they're supposed to do. Uh, the least surprising thing on the whole depth chart, I think, was Sean Dykes being the tight end. I, I mean, that kid, man, he's such a beast. And and the, the scary thing, Brian, I don't think we've used him enough. I think we could use him a lot more. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's one that returned uh, for another year. And my goodness, to think – 
I think he already he has the record for most receptions for a tight end uh, right now. But you, you think with a talent like him, doesn't it seem like he should have at least double the catches that he <laughs> that he does? It, it just it's amazing to me that uh, you know it seems like he's underused um, a lot of times, but still a great talent. I think you'll see more of him this year. I really do think that uh, they see the value in, in Sean Dykes. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to a, a great season with him. Because to me, he's an all-conference type player. I think he's an NFL player. Yeah, that's uh, so why. You know, I, I, you know, not – he's not um, – he's in the mold of Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates, guys that can stretch you vertically, can block pretty well, can definitely have the good hands – and then at tight end, it's kind of underutilized. But then you bring the best blocking tight end in when you're, you're on short yards with John Hassel, and you can, he can block everybody. So I think Memphis is loaded at tight end. And back to what you're talking about, about Dykes being underutilized, I mean, this might as well be a podcast from 2003 when we were all clamoring to use John Doucette more than we actually did. Like, he was another guy that was a tremendous tight end, and we just, we just didn't use him enough. But I think the staff knows what they have now because he's a matchup nightmare because you can split him out too. You don't have he doesn't have to be a true tight end. He can play in that slot and stretch the middle of the field. And Larry, as you know, when the tight ends start stretching the field, man, that puts pressure on the safeties to do their thing. And now if you're a oh, I'll just pick on a Memphis safety here. You're a let's see, six foot two hundred pound Sanchez Blake. You look up and you've got a 6'2", 225 freight train coming up the middle of the field, and that puts a lot of pressure on a safety, and then that, of course, opens all the other stuff up. You're tackling legs right there, I can tell you. Uh, I've been there. Um, you, you, you're, you're looking up, and you, you, I'm not going to use the language that you use, but, um, but anyway, first you say it, then you do it. Um, but the, the truth is, like, Sean presents some real challenges because um, – not only so most tight ends, and I'm just gonna say it for what it is, most tight ends are slow. This is I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of them, I'm being serious. They're slow and um they're not great route runners. So the best way to, to defend a tight end is a um just kind of sit back and watch because you can outrun him and and b prevent him from getting the ball because they're not great route runners and you can kind of defend them that way. Sean is different. He's a good route runner. He's got really good hands. He's not blazing fast, but he's fast, faster than you think. And he will shake you off with a good route. And, and that's the trick. If you watch, and, 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 and Sean did this to Arkansas State, he wore their safeties out last yeah. year um, because he, he was able to, not only that, he's a, he actually has really good feet. His footwork is amazing, especially on the sidelines. Like I said, most tight ends, you get them close to the sidelines and you can kind of forget about them because, you know, they're kind of clumsy and they fall down a lot. And, you know, I mean, but, but I mean, and I'm, and I'm kind of making fun of them because some of them are, but, but, but Sean's not, and he's sort of a, um, a wide receiver in a tight end body yeah. in that sense. And that's what makes him good. You talk about stretching the defense. No, he's not going to go out there and run by you. But what you mean, John is he's got that sneaky, like smart playmaking ability that, as, as the play begins to, to, to progress, he can kind of get to what we call the second level yep. of the defense, which most tight ends can't do that. 
And what I mean by that is you got the first level, which is in the first five yards. And that's where your, your linebackers will drop back into coverage. And then you've got the second level. And that's that level between the safeties and the, and the, and the linebackers. And that's about 10 or 15 yards down the field. And that's what makes Sean really good is that he finds that little gap. And that's what you're talking about. And that, and that way, he really makes the safety pick between am I going to go cover the, the wide receiver on the deep out or am I going to step up and, and make sure that the the tight end doesn't get by my linebacker and that's what you're talking about and it is an absolute nightmare and the people that really helps is the running backs yep. because now your linebacker has to drop back a little bit further and now all of a sudden he's not quite going to fill that hole yeah especially when you, when you split Sean into the slot on a running play now the whole thing with offense versus defense, I had a coach tell me this one time, is to make the other guy think about what they're doing because that's how you win. Just make them think. Yep. And, you know, Sean, to me, and the the epitome of Sean Dykes, Brian, was that game a couple of years ago against Houston where at the end of the game we ran the same play three times. The first two were incomplete, and we ran it again, and Sean caught the ball. And he the whole game he had done that little – eight yard square in and on that drive he just kept hitting and hammering the seam and he's just such a matchup nightmare for for defensive backs yeah and I think you'll uh you'll I think you'll see him uh, you know a lot well, I've already said you'll see him a lot this year but not necessarily this game because I don't think this is the game that they'll need him but against Arkansas State I, I think that's where you'll see him shine and, you know, you'll see him a little bit, uh, obviously, against uh, Mississippi State. But, yeah, I wouldn't worry about – if he doesn't have a lot of yardage or a lot of catches uh, this first week, I wouldn't worry about it because, you know, this is not the, the week that you really need him. You need him next week and the following week. I think this offense is as good as Sean Dykes plays this year. I mean, that, that's, that's my thought. I think, I think he's the X factor for this offense. If he goes out and does what he is certainly capable of, then this offense is impossible to stop because now you've got Sean Dykes in the middle. You've got Jawan Ivory on one side. You've got Gabe Rogers. You've got uh, CA3. You've got backs coming out of the backfield. If Sean can make that, that next step, and now look, some of this is on the play calling too, if we're being real. you got to use him. It doesn't matter if he runs free in the seam if you never throw him the ball. But I just feel like he's really the X factor for this offense because he just presents so many problems. Moving on along the offensive line, no real surprises here except for maybe, I thought, Brian, I thought Jakari Robinson might come in here and win the starting center job, but it's going to be Jacob Lights, the sophomore from Christian Brothers. Yeah, and, and it's, well, it's the or, either or on uh, that one right there, I believe. Yeah, um, so Likes, I mean, he had a great spring camp, uh, but when Jakari Robinson, you know, when he finally got cleared and was announced he was coming to Memphis, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a foregone conclusion that, uh, you know, he's going to be your starting center. But, you know, Jacob Likes had uh, <laughs> other ideas. Um, he's out there fighting, and it's, it's a, that's a good thing uh, to have, you know, Memphis with two capable centers um, that could go, you know, the, the entire season. But, you know, I wouldn't who out no, either whichever one goes out there. You know, I'm not I'm not worried about the, the center position at all. So along that offensive line, if you uh, maybe another slight surprise was uh, although it's listed as or as well was Jonah Gamble, the uh, redshirt freshman, winning the left tackle job. Isaac Ellis, no surprise there. But you don't have a big drop off when Evan Fields comes in the game. We just talked about center. 
have we had a better right side of the offensive line than Dylan Parham and Matt Dale? Like, in a in a long time, like that right side of that offensive line. I, I if there is, I <laughs> I can't. Rec- let, let's put it a different way. We may have had a more dynamic right side. Um, I'm trying to think of, of the guys that we had. Uh, when, I just uh, can't remember if Trevon Tate was on the left. Uh, left yeah, over. Um, there, there was there was there was the right side that we had when um, Ferguson senior or last year senior year. Ah, um, but I don't know that we've had a, a steadier offense yeah. right side. I mean, and by steady, I mean so. What I, what I mean by that is you you know every single game those guys are gonna make the right block at the right time. I mean they are completely in sync. Um, we've had guys that were that were probably a little more athletic. When I say dynamic, I mean athletic. Tate Teron Tate is definitely one of those guys. Yes, yes. But see, to me, but, the great the great thing about this right side that you're talking about, Larry, is if it's third down and three yards to go, I know that if I hand the ball to the back and we run him off right guard, I'm getting my three yards. And that I mean, they had they they would literally have to bring the house right, and, and they may have to run someone in from the sidelines. I mean, <laughs> but it, but, it, it, but then right. that opens up, you know. That's what people don't understand about football because my wife, it's it's funny. It drives me crazy. It drives her crazy when I tell her this. So what, what, what I'm taking from this, John, is Susan doesn't know anything about football. That's okay. not what you good, should take this at all. She knows more than I do. She's the smartest person I know. But she's like, why do they run the ball up the middle so much? And I said, well, it's not about this play. It's about the next play. And to your point, I know the right side's strong. So, Brian, we're going to shade to the right. Well, now with our fast backs, we can run the counter and go left and get outside the blocking. I mean, that's that's why having those two rocks on that right side are so important. Yeah, and you, when you're talking about uh, Sean Dykes being, you know, like an NFL prospect, Dylan Parham, I, I man, he is he's NFL ready. Um, he, you know, in my opinion, he could have, you know, declared for the NFL draft last year and and probably would have gone third, four round. Um, with a good season this year, uh, I mean, he can definitely improve his stock. But I mean, he, that kid is special. Uh, when you when you take a look at the Pro Football Focus stats, he was uh, I think number one or two best offensive lineman in the American Conference last year. Um, so, but definitely a, a special talent. And you know, you, you got to feel good with, with him coming back. This in the beginning of the. Uh, of spring I was a little worried about the offensive line I'm not as worried now um, just from from what I've seen in the the spring game and from what I'm hearing from fall camp off uh, the offensive line should not be a worry if I'm quote worried it would be left tackle but that's just because it's unknown with Jonah Gamble and Austin Myers but you know Isaac Ellis Jacob Likes Jakari Robinson Dylan Parham Matt Dale is 6'6 320 I ain't worried about him because I don't want him mad at me uh you know, but it's just, and you've that's you've got to have that to that is what the Kevin Johns and Ryan Silverfield offense is predicated on is being able to block and being and you saw the struggles with that last year, and you saw it at, at inopportune on, times on the on the left side, John yeah. on the left side. 
We, we yeah. saw we saw a lot of missed blocks on the left side, and I'm not picking on those guys. It, it, it was it's an observable fact. You can you can go back and, and and honestly, even in the spring, we saw I don't say issues, but if you saw a missed block, it was almost always on the left side of the offensive yeah. line. What yeah, I mean, you know, and that's up to us to game plan. You know, that's the other side of it. All right, so moving on, Tigers will play a 3-4 defensive uh, alignment here as they will have one of my favorite names in college football, college football, Wardalius Ducksworth, uh, will start at end for Memphis. Uh, John Tate moves into the middle. Uh, Morris Joseph is at the other end. And guys, if you, if you have a better front seven than Memphis when you add in the linebackers, outside of Cincinnati, I don't know. You talk about in the AAC, uh, yeah, or on okay, our schedule. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, we're not throwing this to the whole country here. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you know, and you've got John Tate at nose tackle, and he is backed up by John Cartwright. But again, they're two different guys. Tate is three hundred pounds. Cartwright's two fifty five. So they'll play different roles. But man, they the defensive staff is excited to see what this front seven can do, Brian. Yes, and uh, the transfer from Tennessee is not even listed on the two deep. That's how deep your defensive line is. And I don't remember a time when Memphis had, uh, you know, this depth on both sides of the ball, as far as, you know, the offensive defensive line, uh, just, just they're deep on the O line. They're very deep on the, the D line and this defense, I'm really, really excited about this defense. And that's why, you know, during our last podcast, we were talking about the, the season. That's why I think they can win 10 games is solely based on this defense. Super deep, super talented. And I, I just can't wait to see what they can do. And I'll be honest, I don't want to block Morris Joseph. Uh, all the guys there, he, he's about the last dude I want to try to block. I think he uh, led the AAC in sacks, if I'm not yeah. – I know he led the team in sacks, but I think he led the AAC as well. Well, and what's ridiculous is the guy's 275 pounds and he runs like a damn tight end. Like, he runs like a deer. He's, I mean, he he's does. fast. And, and where he kills people – I went back and watched some of his tape from last year – is if you don't get that first step, like if you don't get him jammed up and stopped at that first step, dude, you're done. It's over for you because he's by you and he's at the quarterback – and another person you don't see on the depth chart uh, who played, you know, for being a true freshman last year, played really played really well is Kawan uh, Robinson. Yeah. When John Tate went down, Robinson, you know, stepped up and, you know, he, he has game experience now, uh, you know, obviously starting experience too, if I'm not mistaken. So when you, when you have someone who started last year, not on the two deep plus a, a, a transfer from Tennessee, that's not on your two deep, you're, you're deep. Well, you know, I, I, I remember, and John, we were, we were talking about this just the other night, you know, when we first started this, this podcast and we would get these two deeps and you would look at the defense and it was like sophomore, red shirt, freshman, um, sprinkle in a junior or senior here, but by and large, you had a whole bunch of dudes that had been out of college or out of high school two years at most that were playing and I'm looking at this too deep and it's like redshirt senior fifth year junior senior senior fifth year um fifth redshirt senior which by the way the difference that I'm assuming is they did they weren't redshirted at Memphis Correct. yeah but right. but but I mean you know redshirt junior redshirt junior junior 
the only position where we don't have someone who's been out of high school at least four years is at the uh, one cornerback spot, the left cornerback spot, where we have a redshirt sophomore. Well, um, we'll get to the we'll get to the DBs in just. But I'm just saying, like if yeah. you look at this too deep, man, it's like we got guys that, I mean, you know, I mean, we got like we used to have a whole bunch of guys that weren't even old enough to drink. I mean, and and now like you know, we we got a whole bar full. And, and, I mean. And- I- <laughs> And Brian, to your point on what Larry's talking about, if you're a coach and you're a recruiter, you love to see all those R dashes next to guys' names. Yes. Like that tells you your program's headed in the right direction. Oh, definitely. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago, uh, you know, when, like Larry said, when you're looking at this, uh, the two deep, that uh, you didn't have a lot of experience. And now it's not, it's nothing but, nothing but experience. And it's not just the experience. I mean, starters experience and, and, and even the ones who haven't started, they have playing experience that they've been in the games. So that's, I mean, that's kudos to Memphis for actually building a program over these past, you know, uh, you know, several years. So moving now to the linebacker spots, you've got who to me is kind of the leader of the defense. JJ Russell is in his fifth year, 6'2", 225 from Grenada. He plays the mic or the, I guess that's the middle at Memphis. I get so confused with all these fancy names. Then you've got the quote Jack linebacker, which will be uh, another fifth-year guy in Tom Thomas Pickens. Uh, that was quite the battle all all camp long between Pickens and Zay Collins because a lot of people because Zay came on Xavier Collins came on really strong towards the end of last year, so people were kind of surprised that Thomas Pickens uh, took that took that spot up. And then at the Sam, you've got Cole Mashburn, who's a redshirt sophomore, and he's backed up by Sensor Evans, who's a redshirt junior. And then at the Will, I really expected Jaleel Clemens to, to get the starting job, but the staff loves Jalen Allen too. He's both great players. Um, but I, this linebacker, I mean, again, Larry, you look down this and it's uh, at the linebacker, you've got fifth year, redshirt sophomore, fifth year, fifth year, redshirt senior, redshirt sophomore, two redshirt juniors, and a junior. I, I just don't – if you look on paper, and again, games aren't played on paper, and I get that. But on paper, this is as deep a linebacking core as we've had – look, depth it does not necessarily mean you have one guy who's just outstanding, right? That's not what that means. What it means is that you've got five or six or seven guys that – can play for anybody in the conference. And if you look at, at our at our linebackers right now, I can guarantee you that there are four guys on that list that would start, not just play for, start for anybody in our conference. And I'm talking about including Cincinnati. And, and, and it, this that's what makes this defense, to me, and, and we can talk about the, the defensive backs all we want, but to me, the strength of this team is 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 our linebackers because if you're gonna and we've talked about this on our podcast before if you're gonna play the three four what you gotta have is really good linebackers and you gotta have a whole lot of them and that's exactly what we have to me i mean they gotta be great and not just good great that's the way you win with the three four yeah and brian you know in the three four you gotta have linebackers that can cover too and and that's where that's where Thomas Pickens, you know, look, and you tackle. Look at, 
you, you look at that Jack and Sam position, and it's almost like having four safeties on the field because that's kind of more mm-hmm. – they're not your traditional 6'4", 250-pound, you know, middle line. These are, these are more athletic guys that you can move around a lot, and uh, you got to be able to cover and tackle in space, and that's where I think this linebacker core is going to excel. Yeah, and uh, – to me, this linebacker core is probably the best since 2014, and it may be better than that, because back then you had Tank Jakes, Charles Harris, uh, I think Jackson Dillon, if, if that wasn't his first or second year. Uh, I mean, that to me, that that group uh, of linebackers was great, and that's the year I think Memphis won 10 games. I think they finished the highest they, uh, they've ever finished on defense, if I'm not mistaken, was like in the top 30, 35 range. I'd have to go back and check, but uh, yeah, that that linebacking core w- w- was great. And this this linebacking core is more talented than that one. Um, so you know, we'll see what they can do this year. But this this has a chance to be, you know, the best defense Memphis has ever had. That's why I'm so I'm I'm really giddy <laughs> when I when I think about what this defense can do. And and that linebacking core, man, they're they're scary good. Best ever. I don't know that I'm ready to make that jump, but this is probably the most talented defense we've ever had as far as top to bottom. So we move on to the defensive backs. And the only one that kind of surprises me a little bit is that Greg Rubin beat out Julian Barnett um, at left corner. And then you've got Quindell Johnson, Tyrez Lindsay at free safety at, uh, they call it BS. I call it strong safety, uh, Sanchez Blake and Rodney Owens. But again, there will be times when Sanchez or Rodney will line up as a fifth linebacker, so you can really move guys around. And then at the other corner, you've got Jacoby Francis, you've got Savante Oliver and Devontae Golden-Nelson. Um, just so many pieces for Mike McIntyre, Larry, to play with. Just so many, again, just like Kevin Johns has all these tools, Mike's got quite a, quite a bit in the old bag there too. Well, and, and the thing that about this group, that's different from the linebackers. So when we talk about the linebackers and how, um, how, how they're, they're really versatile, this group is really good at covering and, and especially the safeties. And that's what to me separates this group from say the groups from a, even a couple of years ago that even, so the way the game is played now Everybody has to be able to cover it. Used to be that safety can can sort of sit back and direct and, and quarterback the offense or the defense, and they still kind of do, but um, but it's different. And they have to be able to get, get out and cover, especially when the the offense runs out five wide receivers, right? And you have to be able to do that. This group can really cover. They're deep, and I think you're right about uh, Greg Rubin. I, I was surprised that that Barnett wasn't just listed as as the starter there that's 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 where it's either or yeah i understand i understand and and again i think barnett will probably go out for the first snap for the very for the same reason why i think grant cannell will go out for the first snap um but uh i i just think that the fact that they didn't want to name somebody straight up tells me that who ruben must have had one hell of a good uh camp because you walk in here's here's some people don't know like you roll in as a freshman, even a highly recruited freshman. Okay. Um, you, it, and I don't know, maybe it, did he, did he play in the spring, Brian? I, I don't know. That's something I don't know. I don't think um, so. But I don't if he, remember if he did. Well, if he didn't, 
you come rolling in and you've got it's it sounds sounds like simple right you come rolling in late late july and you're this skinny little kid with pimples everywhere and and you know you probably weigh 180 pounds up and what holding a brick and you're gonna set the world on fire meanwhile there's grown-ass men on this field you know 21 22 year old guys that have been you know in this program that look like you know they they look like they could win a Mr. Universe contest and you're sitting out there going, Oh crap. So you got four weeks to impress a coach and for you to go from rolling in in your, your hoopty from high school and be listed number one on the depth chart. That's pretty damn good. That's a good job. Yeah. So, McIntyre talked about that today in the press conference. Um, Ruben had seen, you know, he said, uh, <laughs> coach Max said it seemed like he came out of the womb wanting to be a cornerback. You know, and he goes, you know, he, he was well coached in, in high school. Uh, a lot of kids, you know, are wide receivers, quarterbacks, stuff like that. And they play a little bit of corner. But uh, Ruben, you know, played a lot of corner. He really wants to be a corner at the next level. So all of, uh, you know, junior high, middle middle school, junior high, yeah. you know, peewee football, he honed in his skills. He's, he's very coachable. Um, and so when he came to Memphis, I mean, he really knew the position and, you know, coach Mack, you know, it said, you know, he, you know, it just seems like he's been a cornerback all, you know, his entire life. He, you really didn't have to teach him much. Um, he had the footwork down, you know, he, he sees the field, you know, very well. So, you know, after hearing those comments, you know, I'm not as surprised, um, but, you know, still kudos for Greg Rubin. We'll see if he's the type of corner that uh, TJ Carter was coming out of high school because Carter had a great freshman year and then regressed. Hopefully, Ruben will have a great freshman year and just progress. Especially in this league, I don't think there is a position where your fundamentals and your footwork and your knowing what to do with your hands – if you have to learn that stuff when you get to college, you're behind because I think corners are the most important position to have your fundamentals. Because if you're a linebacker, yes, you need to have fundamentals, but you're hitting a hole. Like you, you know, you're 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 going to a play. I can t- I can teach you how to get there when we call this. A corner, man, you've got to have the footwork, you got to understand the hip turn and you know. Like even still, I remember when um, uh, at the end of Tommy's run, we had a corner that would set his feet the way he was going to go. So he would point his feet out if he was going to cover the out, and he would turn them in if his if his coverage if uh, his help was outside, so his coverage was inside. And people are like, well, "What does that matter?" I'm like, well, you're giving it away. Like you're telling people where you're going. And if you'll put your feet straight and keep your hips straight, and uh, with all apologies to Shakira, the hips don't lie. Like your hips are the part of your body that tells somebody else which way you're going. Because I can juke step you, I can, I can shake you at the top, but my body, if my hips are going right, my body is going right, or there's a big problem. I can't turn my hips inside and fool you into thinking I'm covering the outside half. Like, that is the difference in what you said, a guy like Greg Rubin. He's been doing this his whole life. He's not, he doesn't have to come in and learn foot positioning, shoulder width apart, 
Uh, don't give your hands away. Don't, you know, like he doesn't have to learn all that stuff. He knows it and that that's what he does. And that's, that's such a huge weapon for you to have. Uh, for Larry's favorite part of the game, we move now to special teams. Uh, David Kemp, Brian, fill me in. David Kemp's been hurt. I think he came back to practice last week or this week, if not mistaken. Yeah, I was told that, uh, you know, he, you know, he he's he's getting he, he's he's on his way back but he's not back yet i think you know he's he's back to kicking but you know he's not there yet so joe doyle will be your punter and kicker and uh <laughs> anytime i see him it just reminds me of joe dirt you know from the east <laughs> over there from east tennessee <laughs> yeah. kickers are kickers are weird I, dudes anyway man. Home, but uh <laughs> larry's head is in his hands I can't believe we're talking about the kickers. No, I it's it's it, no, it's it's not that we can't talk about kickers. It's that the way this conversation is going, knowing what I know about this situation, which is, I I I think I don't think we're letting the cat out of the bag here. That I don't know that Joe Doyle has kicked a field goal since high school. Maybe. Well, I just tried to look up high school stats and couldn't find any. And he didn't at Tennessee. I can tell you that. He didn't kick a single field goal at Tennessee. Oh, God. And, and I know Larry hates it, but early in the season, oh, God. kicking game matters. That I is, hate life. <laughs> your kicking game matters. And having the confidence to roll that guy out there that when you need a 44-yard so field goal – to put you up, you know, a lot of people get caught up in the very end of the game. Well, I'm talking about when there's seven or four and a half minutes left in the game and you need a 44-yard field goal to give you a 10-point lead. To we're screwed. Lead, put the, we're not screwed. We don't know. But when you need that to push it get out the, to – Get the Pepto. That's when the kicking game – I mean, the end of the game, you know, like I always say about officiating, you know, if there's a bad call at the end of the game, you did a lot of things wrong to get there. But when you're in the meat of the game, Brian, that's when you need that kicker to step up, you know, and make that 38-yard field goal to make it a 13-point lead because then that changes the whole dynamic of what the other team has to do. Yeah, and I don't know, you know his leg strength and stuff like that. I don't know how far he can kick. But what I do know about him is, you know, he's kicked before. I, I, well, he's punted before, but he's been in those situations. Yeah, he played at Tennessee, so he has seen, you know, you know, crowds of whatever and, you know, been to a waste. Don't say he's been in a big game at Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He's been in big crowds. I don't know about a big game, but uh, at least he's been in pressure situations before. So to me, and I, I go back to, um, you know, early in the fall camp and with Coach ba uh, Bankins, you know, he's, you know, we asked you know, who's in the lead, you know, kicking wise, and he's, he said Caleb Hawkins, you know, and that's before we knew David Kemp was injured. And from that to now that Joe Doyle's listed as your place kicker, I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, if Hawkins was really in the lead, why is Joe Doyle your, your place kicker? So I, I have, out of every position we've talked about, if there's one spot that I would have concerns about going into the year, right now it's place kicker. I mean, because everything else – has experience, you know, coming back and stuff like that. But place kicker, that's that's not something that uh, that you know I want to worry about. That dude comes out with a mullet and 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 some damn tide birds. I'm going straight to the bar. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I you know the position I'm not worried about on the special teams. The Martelli oh, Award finalist Preston Brady. That's who I'm not worried about on special teams. Uh, the holder. And he's also, oddly enough, he's listed as the deep snapper at the long snapper. So that's going to be really interesting. And that's going to be Bugs Bunny-esque if he can snap the ball to himself. I, and look, and I would pay it. money. I, I, I have paid money. But, hey, but, if, but if anybody <laughs> can pull it off, it's Preston. Um, but he's he will be the holder. It'll be more likely that uh, Trace and Neal will do a lot of the deep snapping. But because it's listed as or, uh, but you know, Preston's such a weapon. You can't, you can't give everything away. <laughs> Only um, hope to contain him. You can never right. really stop. Look, <laughs> he's going to score a touchdown at some point this year, mark it down. He will get a touchdown somehow this year um, or a two point conversion. Well, I, 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 I want in on this action here. He, he's going to convert something. He's going to convert something. And then at punt returner, you've got Calvin Austin backed up. We didn't even talk about, Brian, your guy. We didn't even talk about the Rutgers transfer. Eddie Lewis uh, came in kind of late. Yeah, yeah. He'll. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how he does. We'll see. Boy, there, there's the there's the um, the Brian Moss seal of approval. We'll you, see. You, Brian, Brian, you want to dig a little deeper on, or, or be a little more vague for us on this one? Because what you're, I think, what you're saying. Let me, let me, let me fill in some gaps here for Brian. What Brian is saying is that he made some calls and Eddie Lewis sucks. That's what he's that's trying to say. That's not what he's saying at all. Come on. No, no, that's not what you said. Okay. No, so what are you trying to say, Brian? It's just um, not, I mean, he's not, he wasn't highly regarded transfer. It's not like, you know, it's a five-star coming in. But I will say sometimes a change of scenery does a person well. And okay. he played for Chris Ash, who is, man, that, that, I've already gone on record. He's the worst Rutgers coach in the history, and he could be the that worst. That is saying something. That is uh, saying well, you, if you're yeah. the worst coach in, in in Rutgers history, you have hit rock bottom and started to dig. But I mean, and, but see here here's the thing, and we joke about this all this Rutgers all the time. Eddie Lewis has played Big Ten football. Sure Nothing he's going to see in the AAC going to scare him. Great route running. No one says anything bad about his route running. It's just his hands. So we'll we'll see if but that's why I go back to coaching because you know if someone says that you're a wide receiver with bad hands, you you can coach that. I can fix that. I mean, uh, yeah, no, you can fix that. I think the, if you're coachable, literally you in the name that. of the position, yeah. Brian receiver. But but if that's but if the, you're coachable, you can fix it because. Like and Ron it, was saying about Chris Ash, yeah, you, you just may not have been there's taking how to catch yeah. correctly. And it's let's face it, Rucker. I mean, can you name the Rucker's quarterback that threw to him? No, no, I can't. There's name been like this. 16 Rucker's quarterbacks, and all of them have you know more interceptions than, than <laughs> completions. <laughs> I mean, so. I can't think right now, and all kidding aside, and I know a couple of them played in the NFL, I cannot name a single Rutgers quarterback ever. Ever, and I know there I, I were a couple NFL guys. No, all kidding aside, you're right. I can't, I can't think of one. So the, the, yeah, it, it's been in the uh, '80s and '90s is when Rutgers had a good quarterback. Mike McMahon played in the NFL for the Detroit Lions. Ray Lucas played for the Jets. But I knew Ray uh, Lucas. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mike Teal, I think. Uh, Mike Teal. There's one I can yeah. think. Yeah, I know who that is. But anyway, I mean, and then here's the other thing. He's Eddie Lewis. We're talking about. He's the backup punt returner. One thing you can't teach or coach is speed, right? Yep. And and he's got it to burn. 
So if all else fails, you put him back there and just say, catch the ball and run as fast as you can. Because yeah. he's another guy I think can kind of change a game dynamically. Uh, Gabe Rogers, we've already talked about. He's listed as the starter, as the kick returner. Uh, Julian Barnett will back him up. Gosh, Julian Barnett's going to be a star. Like, that dude just has the the moxie or whatever that word, yeah, yeah. the it factor. Just when you watch him on TV and you listen to him and you watch him on Twitter, like, he's just got these – he's super smooth. He's just got this whole thing figured out. And I think this is a big year for him. This is an opportunity for him to really step up. And, you know, you see this more in the NFL and college, but if you want to make an NFL roster, there's one surefire way to do it. Special teams. Be better than everybody else on teams. And you'll make a roster. And the same thing in college. Look, you want to get on the field and play cornerback or play wide receiver, go out and bust your ass on teams. You're right. Make them put you on the field. You know, like we were talking about earlier with Grant and Seth, make it where you can't take me off the field. Make it where I got to be on the field. Yep. And if you do that, then you're good. Like, you're gold. That's how I made the 56 uh, my freshman year because I was I was buried in the depth chart, but I, I played special teams. And they, they could throw me out there and knew that I wasn't going to – that's a great point, John, because they knew I was going to make a tackle or I wasn't going to screw up. And, and yeah. they allowed me to be out there um, with, and they could set a starter over on the bench and let him, you know, get some Gatorade. And that's – you're right. I mean, that's – now, you, you got to be – you have to play decent if you're going to have to go on the field. Um, but but you're right. I mean, and and that's why – you're right, John. That's why I was surprised that Barnett was not the the, the starting cornerback because he just has the look. He's just smooth. So, if this kid beat him out, that's why I was saying this kid must be really good. So, anyway. Yeah, I, I just – I think early in the season, your teams are so important. And when I say teams, it's special teams. Special I, I just team. think those guys are so important because that's how you impact a game if, you know, we're break because here, here's the truth. Regardless of who it is, we're breaking in a brand-new quarterback. Regardless, regardless of who that is, mm. we're breaking in a new quarterback. So your running game has got to help. Your defense has got to help because there is adjustment time, whether it's Grant or Seth. There's some adjustment time to figuring out because Grant missed how many of his games at uh, Arizona? Grant hadn't played in a while. Let's just let's just put it that way. He hasn't yeah. played in a while. And it takes, and he's been hurt. So it takes you some time to get up to speed. And then Seth has never played in college. And it doesn't matter how good you are as a quarterback in high school, unless you're Trevor Lawrence or whomever. There's an adjustment, even if it's Texas. There's still everybody on that field is bigger, stronger, faster than anybody you've ever seen. Um, so the de- the running game's got to help. Obviously, if the defense keeps the other team off the field, that helps you on offense because then you don't have the pressure. But your special teams are kind of your key because they may not win Memphis a game in September, but they could sure as hell lose Memphis a game in September. You know, if um, you know, I've always said with turnovers, everybody hearts on turnovers turn if I turn the ball over at the 45 going in to the other team you know meaning going towards their end zone 45 in that sucks because I'm not going to get points but what you can't do is fumble a punt on your nine yard line like you just you just can't right. do that like you, or, that's that's how you lose games you or, can't get a or field get goal a punt blocked. blocked or get a or punt get a blocked, punt blocked. Or, yeah or or or, or 
Um, another big one is like, look, punt returns and kickoff kick returns happen, but what you can't do is um, you can't, you know, get a big penalty yep. and back yourself up. You know, uh, you know, let's say let's say you you get a big penalty on a on a punt return, and now instead of starting at the twenty five, you're starting at the ten, and now you flip the field on yourself. Yeah, and then that and amplifies I, if the offense is struggling. Now that amplifies now. Right, got, because now you yeah. got a punt, yeah. and they're going to get the ball at the 45, and 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 pretty soon they're in field goal range. We, and so to your point, John, the, the, the ability to control the field, and, and it's not – we're going to talk about nickels here in a second. We're not necessarily talking about nickels. We're talking about the next three games after yeah. nickels and the importance because those games are huge because – of hell month. And that's what you're actually talking about is we got to somehow get through these next four games and, and be ready, fully armed and loaded on October 1st, because come that day, that's what you need. We don't need, and, and, and I'm just going to dive right off into this on that, on that first game, when we go to temple, we don't need a bunch of oars on here. Yeah. We that's need a, that's, a, that's we, a great point. We need this is the guy. Yeah, that that's a really good point. Is we've got basically, you know, and again, I don't want to disparage Nichols, but you know, they've got 63 scholarship players and Memphis has 85. And there's a reason that Memphis should easily win this game. But you get to Arkansas State and you get to UTSA and you get to Mississippi State you got to start – those oars, Brian, have to start dropping off, and it's got to be this yeah. is one and this is two. Yeah, if you if you still have some oars that going into your conference play, I mean, it can go either way. I mean, you want to have this is your guy, uh, but let's say, you know, you get to the Temple game and you have Julian Barnett and Greg Rubin. If they're still battling uh, for, you know, who's going to start – as long as both of them are playing well, I, I you know, I guess I wouldn't. Yeah, well, well, if that's the case, Brian, then you're looking at the, then you're looking at the other side and going, okay, well, one of these guys playing better than that guy because there's two cornerbacks. Yeah. Well, but it's really hard in this, in, in today's game, you're either an LCB or an RCB. It's, it's really difficult to move across the field because your whole technique changes your whole, the way you it see the field different. changes it and, and it's hard to do, but you know, or the only time an or is good is if it's to make the other team get ready for both of you, you know, and like where ors don't bother me are wide receiver and running back or doesn't yeah. bother me there because of the way we play. It back to different issue. <laughs> but right. Yeah, but because you're gonna, or a QB. Yeah. But yeah, you, you get, don't, well, you don't want, you don't want ors at, at there, there's, there's places you don't want them. Okay. And cornerbacks, I'm sorry, cornerback is one of them. You don't yeah. want or at a cornerback. You want to know, and this is really important because on the defensive side of the ball, when you are, um, there, there's certain points in the game where you're going to swap out your, 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 your personnel. And so let's say, for example, um, and it's not necessarily down in distance, although that does play a role, but more than anything, it's position on the field. So, and by that, right, let me give you an example. Let's say Nichols is on their own 10 yard line. Okay. They're probably not going to drop back and throw a 90 yard bomb. So they're probably going to run. So your, 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 your personnel packages are different for, 
in, in the first like 30 yards. And then when, once they get to midfield, it changes. And then when you're, they're going in and you're in the red zone, you have different personnel packages. Well, you can't have oars because you need to know, all right, and, and you ain't got that much time. So, and, I mean, and that, you, yeah, and you know that's a saying? great point. And, and the other side of that too is you, you, you're dead on there with its position on the field, but as, and Larry, you played, you know this, it's even which hash you're on that yes. can predicate. Absolutely. All right, am I going to, am I going to flood the straw? Am I going to flood the boundary side? Like, am I going to put four guys over there? Even if they put four guys over there, I'm not putting four guys on the boundary because I've got the sideline to help me out. Yeah. I'm going to flood the field side. Like, and it's, and it's, and it, predicates on that too and it's just it's really interesting to me and a great point that you got to get to a point in the season where or is a bad word except at running like i'll give you an example if we're week five and we still have or at center we're in trouble yeah, we're screwed we're in trouble because that's the position of the that's the quarterback of the offensive line and you've yep. got to have that person in place and because they have to they call all of the the blocking assignments they call the the gaps they find the mic they do all that important stuff so the quarterback doesn't have to and, and that's why they're so critical that they can then push guys aside and say okay we're going to do it this way here uh you know watch the sam watch watch the week like they're they're pointing all that you'll see it all the time if you watch the game like i do like an idiot and don't follow the ball, you're watching all the other stuff, man, the center is pointing everywhere. Like he, you know, his hands are, he's an Italian talking. He's, he's all over the place until he snaps the ball. But if you have an or at center, you have a problem to your point. If you have an or at corner, because then the other thing that happens is guys get confused and they're like, well, am I in nickel heavy or am I in dot? And, and if I'm not, you know, because we used to beat up Josh Pastner about that, right? Like nobody knew their identity in basketball. Nobody knew when they were coming in, going out. Like you have – football players are rhythm guys. Like they have yep. to get in a rhythm. There's a reason tempo is so important and pace, which are – that's a whole other podcast, tempo and pace, two entirely different things. But that's – It's called playing downhill, John, is what we yeah, call that. Yeah, and – and you've got to, on the defensive side of the ball, Greg Ruman's got to know when he's in the game and when he's out. Because, when, buddy, when you play UCF, they are six and a half seconds from the dead ball to the snap. Like, you got to know where to go, know how to line up, and that only comes one way. And that's playing as 11 guys and having the same 11 guys out there and figuring out your best 11. Um you know, Brian, you were talking about this earlier, and, and it brings up something I've always said. When Memphis and Alabama line up to play each other, let's say that happened, and Memphis and Alabama line up to play. Let's talk. My that. first 11 are not as good as Alabama, but they could hold their own. Where Alabama gets you is that depth. That second and third team are better than anybody I can put on the field. Right. Brian, that, that's such a good point that you made about the depth of this defense, and that's what makes it so dangerous. Yeah, and I think that's why I keep going back to it. That's why I think Memphis uh, will win, you know, 10 games, 9, 10 games this year because they're just going to wear people down. And, and if, if it gets to a point where, you know, Memphis's defensive line is getting worn down, well, they're, they're, they're set, their backups, they're just as good as the centers. I mean, uh, the, the starters. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm – I keep going back to it. I'm excited about this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, there's definitely depth 
I think you'll see Memphis uh, rotate uh, and substitute more than they have in the past because of the depth. And that will keep everyone fresh. And I think that's why Memphis will be in a lot of the games this year. Depth shows up mainly in two places, your defensive front and in special teams. That's where your depth really tends to show up um, are in those two spots. And that's why I'm frankly worried about teams. Um, I don't know what our depth is going to look like. I'm not worried about our defensive line. Larry, how many years in a row have we said that Memphis's defensive success is predicated on getting to the quarterback with three or four guys? This is a defense that can get there with four. We don't have to bring six. We don't have to bring seven. So now you're not putting Ruben and Quindell or, or Jacoby. You're not putting those guys out on an island by themselves. They'll all have help because you can get more Joseph and John Tate and Cameron Jackson and Duckworth, Ducksworth. They can get home and J.J. Russell can get home. And you don't have to have all these exotic blitzes. Well, and, and the trick here is, is that, and you guys talked about the depth, what makes a, a good team really deep, uh, what, makes, what makes it great to have a good deep team is that, let's say, it, it's not the fourth quarter, although that's, that's important. But what's important is that come the third quarter, when your guys are getting a little gassed, you can put your second guys out there and they can get a three and out or they'll get a stop. And you don't have to put your starter back in in that drive. And so he gets to take not just one, you know, not, not just a couple of plays, but he might get to take half a, a quarter off and sit over there. So come the fourth quarter, when you really need to get a stop, now your guys are out there are fairly fresh. And the other guys are, have been playing the whole time. That's the trick. And to me, and you, you did mention this, the ability to get pressure with, with, you know, five guys. If you can do that in today's football and leave seven guys to cover, which, I mean, that, that's just a luxury. Because now, the, even if they send five guys out, you got seven guys in coverage. And Six. the team that did that really well was Justin's last year. That's what made that defense go, was that they had guys who could get to the quarterback and, and they could leave guys back in coverage so if you go back and look at i think that was the 14 season yeah with uh 14 or 15 i guys i don't remember 15 it was 15 um that that year that's what made that team go and this team has that ability uh, they haven't shown they were going to do it yet it's all on paper but but boy on paper it sure looks like they can they can get after the quarterback big time all right brian what are you looking for on saturday I want to see deep, uh, defense because here's why. I want to see if they can stop, you know, uh, Lindsey Scott, their, 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 you know, Nichols quarterback, because Nichols quarterback is a dual threat. He's their leading rusher and passer from last season. And it seems in years past, Memphis has had a terrible time with uh, mobile quarterbacks. Especially <laughs> outside contain. It's just been a nightmare. Yeah. So, you know, Greg I wanna... Ward is still running on us. <laughs> And thankfully, he's not even in uh, the AAC anymore. But I, I want to see if Memphis is really uh, – have they learned their lesson? Because uh, this is this would be a great test uh, for the Memphis defense. I mean, it's Nichols is not a bad team. I mean, they're preseason top 25 in the FCS. So, I mean, it's not, it's not a true cupcake team. Uh, you know, I think Nichols has the ability to smack Memphis in the mouth. 
But in the end, you know, obviously Memphis should, should win uh, pretty, you know, handedly. But yeah, defensively, I want to see how they handle a mobile quarterback. Yeah, uh, Nichols scored 42 points a game last year, and I mean it was an abbreviated seven-game schedule, but they had they scored 42 points a game. Um, you know, obviously that's going to be a tall order for them against Memphis. But you know, to your point, Brian, the defense man just come out and because it doesn't matter what level you're playing at. And we talk about we'll obviously talk more about this with Navy Week with assignment football. But the other thing is when you're playing a guy like Scott, you've got to have a guy, basically a spy. You got to have a spy. And to what we were talking about earlier, if I can get home with four, I got a spy fifth, and I still got six guys to cover. Like that's that's how important it is to be able to get home with three or four. Because if I can't get home with four, now I got to bring five or six. Well, now when they go four wide, my spy like can't take a day off, like he can't take a playoff, or now he's burnt, and it just gets out of control. So yeah, excellent point, and I'm glad. Uh, to see Memphis will play somebody with a mobile quarterback because like you, I just, I want to see it. I want to see how they handle some, a good enough athlete to burn them a little bit on the edges. Larry, what are you looking for Saturday besides well, the first drink? Yeah. Well, it will be way into it by then. Um, but, but no, um, I, I, am I'm, I'm very interested obviously in the quarterback play. I, I think that's that you're going to say, we're not going to see a lot. No, I think we're going to see a lot. And, and, and we may not see them tested, but we're going to see a lot. I, we're going to see body language. And, John, you, you mentioned that the other night where we talked about body language. What's the body language of the quarterback? What's the body language of the guys on the field when that quarterback is on the field? How do they look? Who do they respond to? That's a really important thing. I want to see how, which quarterback seems to have a good re, re, a rapport with Sean and with Calvin and with Javon and, and with the running backs. Like, how do they interact? Who responds to, to what? So on the offensive side, I am really looking to see which quarterback takes the reins of this team and says, this is my team, because that's what's got to happen. And it's got to happen within the first four weeks of this season. And then the, the thing I'm looking for on defense, how do we respond to, because I, I look, this kid is the Southland player of the, of the year last year. I mean, this kid averaged 300, Lindsey Scott we're talking about. He averaged over 300 yards a game total. So, I mean, he is and, – and he played at Missouri. He is not going to be intimidated rolling into the Liberty Bowl. He's not going to be intimidated. He's going to come in and he's going to make plays. They're going to score points. If, if anybody thinks this is going to be a cakewalk, it's not. Now, it might be because our defense is really freaking good and really deep. But I would think this is going to be more like the Southern game a couple of years back where – you know, we we ended up winning the game, but it wasn't just an absolute blowout until the very end. And and that's what I think you're gonna see. I think you're gonna see a a a it's gonna it might be relatively low scoring early on as our offense sort of gets in sync. Let's hope they get in sync. Um, and that's again, that's what I'm looking for. The defense to to respond when they make plays in but don't break kind of the thing and offense i want to see us get in sync i think this will look a lot like the last time we played Nichols. we won that game 38 10 and i i just think that's kind of how this one goes because we're gonna what memphis fans need to prepare themselves for and and i've been preaching this from day one memphis is going to run the football more than we have the last how many ever years 
but we're not going to run the ball in an explosive because we don't, as good as our backs are, we don't have a Gainwell or a Henderson or a Patrick Taylor that can turn the ball on a dime, that can turn the game on a dime. We don't, we just don't have that in this group. So we're going to run the ball a lot. And I think that keeps the score down. And I just don't think, I don't think Ryan shows Ryan and Kevin and, and even Mike, I don't think you're going to see a lot of blitzes. You're going to see a lot of three, four, two deep, you know, safe, single high safety, just a lot of base stuff. Cause this is a great game to, you know, further teach Brian that base stuff that you don't have time maybe to get everything in in fall camp. So this is just to me, basically a continuation of camp. And I just, I don't feel like Ryan is the kind of guy to run the score up either. Like he's just, that's just not his personality. So I think this is 38-10, 38-3, just in that ballpark. Yeah, my if, if I was going to give a score, I, I'm thinking like 40 to 10. Yeah, maybe – yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the 40 to 10. You know, I, I think we'll see I, – I don't want to say, you know, missed field goals or something like that, maybe a, a missed extra point, only because I'm worried about place kicking. But we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I think even though I want to see how they contain the dual threat quarterback, I, I think they'll do enough because I'm just – I'm really high in this defense. I, I think they will contain them. And so, yeah, I'd say 40 to 10. All right. Well, it is game week. We will see everybody at the Liberty Bowl on Saturday at – Get there early. Get there. Look, we were, jo- we were talking about it earlier, but – plan some extra time, plan ahead. Even if you have season ticket passes like I do, plan ahead. I'll actually be in the press box on Saturday uh, covering for Tiger Sports Report, and I'll, of course, have my halftime band duties. Uh, Larry will be down uh, in the in the bowl. Trying to keep my wife from fighting somebody. Yep. yep. Well, that, good luck with that. But we'll have the game. <laughs> Brian, will, Brian will be our remote guy. He'll have everything covered from New York. So we're going to have full coverage on Saturday. Uh, I'll probably go live from Tiger Lane at some point in the day. Who knows? It depends on cell phone signal if that ever got fixed. Um, who knows? But, yeah, so we'll have everything covered, and then we'll be back next week for week two. But I'm just excited to say that it is game week. Week one is coming up and rapidly approaching. And uh, one more thing before I go, I will have to dig through after all my mentions today and find the um, – I challenge all Tiger fans, Nickel State put up a fund – to help students that were displaced by Ida. The campus was just decimated. I mean, the, the images are shocking. They, they, they really take your breath away. Uh, for those who don't know, Nichols is in uh, Thibodeau, Louisiana. It's a small town that just got absolutely blasted by the hurricane. And yep. we're very fortunate to even be able to play this game, if we're being honest. Just a lot of behind-the-scenes logistics trying to work it out to get them here early and, and help them out. But uh, I'll retweet that probably tomorrow when I post the post the episode of uh, just its chance for Tiger fans to step up and help a school that, frankly, is going to need the help along the way, you know, financially, because a lot of kids lost there. It wasn't just the school itself, but the dorms were damaged, and so a lot of kids lost everything. So just a way to help out and help our fellow man. So for the best co-co-hosts in all the land, Brian Moss and Larry Marley, it's John Maddox signing off saying, go Tigers, go, and we will see everybody next week. Opinions expressed on this program by our guests and hosts do not represent the opinion of their employers or the University of Memphis. This podcast is in no way endorsed or affiliated with the University of Memphis. Join us again next week for another edition of Tigers Tonight.